Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. The fans have won already. What a spectacular week of competition we have seen. On this episode, we're talking to the newest driver of the NHRA E3 Sparkplugs Pro Mod Series, Lyle Barnett. And there is not a happier human being on planet Earth than the woman in that Pro Stock car. We'll also take a fun look back at the 2020 Funny Car Race. Goodbye, Snake, and hello, Ace! This is the NHRA Insider. And the wildest day of the history of this category is finally complete. Hey everybody, I'm Brian Loans. Welcome back to another episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. Looking to have a great conversation today with Lyle Barnett, a man who many of you may not know, but who has an absolutely incredible story that has brought him to the world of NHRA E3 Sparkplugs Pro Modified Racing. We're going to get to know Lyle a little bit better, maybe introduce you to one of the great and uh, amazing kind of studies in resilience and hardcore survival that drag racing uh, has known for years. And uh, he is somebody that is going to make an impact on on the NHRA E3 Sparkplugs Pro Mod Series, both with the team he's working with, which is Elite Motorsports, and the way he races, which is with a level of intensity I'm not sure many people are used to seeing out of modern-day professional-level drag racers. He's a great dude, and I look forward to uh, introducing you to him over the course of this episode. We're also going to take a look back at the wild and woolly funny car race over the course of 2020. The championship obviously landing with Matt Hagen, but it was a rocky road, a wild road, and a winding road to get there. You know, speaking of Lyle Barnett, I saw him last weekend. I was down at Bradenton Motorsports Park, the NHRA sanctioned facility down there in Bradenton, Florida, just south of Tampa. And I was there for a race called the Outlaw Snowbird Nationals or the Snowbird Outlaw Nationals that's been going on for 49 years. And it's a really, really cool event. One of those events that certainly has a great legacy in the sport and that has evolved and changed over time in the sport of drag racing. If we look back at the categories that were run at the Snowbirds for many years, they have always morphed with what's been popular in the world of drag racing. And it just so happens that in this date and time, door slammer drag racing is such a huge deal that this is a very door slammer centric event. There's bracket racing involved, but it really is a uh, premier lineup, a premier slate, if you will, of door slammer drag racing to the point where we had two dozen pro modifieds down there trying to qualify for a 16 car show. And it was a unique event in the sense that by the time we had a fully qualified field of 16 cars, we had five different power adders involved in that field. Screw superchargers, root superchargers, nitrous oxide, turbochargers, and centrifugal blowers were all represented in this field. Granted, it's an eighth-mile style race, so it does change things in that respect regarding how you manage those power combinations and how you're able to kind of tightly group them. Um, but over the course of the weekend, we saw Jim Halsey make the first eighth-mile run of a nitrous pro mod into the 3.5-second zone. We saw a lot of really great runs made by racers, Jim Whiteley among them. Tommy DeApril is down there driving the Caruso family car. Uh, some familiar names to NHRA fans were participating. If you're a fan of the PDRA drag racing series, a lot of the big PDRA names were down there having some fun as well. Ultimately, it ended up with Todd Tuttero in the final round taking on uh, what is effectively a team car driven by and owned by a guy named Kurt Stedding. And uh, they both raced with screw superchargers on top of their Hemi engines, and they both ran very hard. The final round was cool, uh, more so for Tuttero than Stedding, as Stedding's car uh, blew up uh, very late in the run. And uh, Todd Tuttero drove for the win and a pretty sizable check at the end of that weekend. 
There was also radial-style drag racing down there as well. Radial versus the world was represented, as well as a category called Pro 275, which in many ways uh, is a uh, interesting upcoming category and one that people identify with because ProMod-style chassis are no longer allowed in that class. So you see a lot of very, um, let's say, normal-looking cars. You see cars that look like cars in that class more so than you see cars that look like Pro-modifieds. Class called Outlaw 632 put on a great show, which is a, a door slammer class that is limited to nitrous only as a power adder, limited to 632 cubic inch maximum displacement engines, and a small number of people actually run smaller displacement engines to run at a lighter weight. But these are cars that run the eighth mile in the low four second range. Um, they represent, in many ways, they look a lot like old school pro street cars, although there is some leeway with chassis in there. And more and more, we're seeing cars enter that category that have a look of a pro mod or even a pro stock style car long story short it was a great event uh, my last event of the 2020 drag racing season it was a fine way to kind of close things out uh, for so many racers down there and um, in the state of florida people are still uh, out there racing very hardcore they will be all winter long big money bracket racing continues famously as it has for decades down there over the course of the winter a lot of the uh, very high level bracket racing competitors around the country will go down and run almost a week straight at various tracks around the state of florida during this time of the year so uh it was cool to see that event cool to be a part of it uh next year the 50th anniversary of that race the track's talking about doing some pretty special things but i think one of the things that stood out most to me uh, i announced the race with my buddy lee sebring and the one thing we kept coming back to was just how good the pro modified show was there and how good pro modified racing is across the country right now sometimes it gets overshadowed we talk a lot about radial drag racing and how big a deal radial drag racing is and I'm willing to sit here and tell you today, right now, at this moment, uh, there is way more great pro modifieds around the country than there are great top-level radial cars, and just in sheer numbers. I mean, we saw two dozen really good cars down there in Florida trying to battle it out, um, and basically the, the pro-modified qualified field, if you take all the radial classes and add them together, you basically came back up with uh, what you had as far as pro-modifieds on the property. And it's a function of uh, of a couple of different things, but... From a fan perspective, um, the radio style stuff is incredible in terms of their performance, but it is so knife edge that we oftentimes don't see the best heads up style racing in those categories. We see amazing performances, but when it comes right down to an entertaining race or an entertaining side by side contest, nothing beats the modern world of pro mod, whether we're talking about E3 spark plugs pro mod on the quarter mile, whether we're talking about eighth mile pro mod racing as it happens around the country under different rule sets, um, it is in many ways uh, it is almost the golden age of pro mod racing which i'm sure some of you are cringing saying no that's impossible that was the 1990s and scotty cannon and those guys ruled the earth and you're right that that first wave the scotty cannons the shannon jenkins uh ed hoover tim mccamus i mean we can go down a, a, a harold martin we can go down a, an incredible list quain stott mitch stott uh of these legendary drivers that really built the class with their own two hands i mean they were the ones that put that class on the map ricky smith of course and we can go right down the line uh and even some of the guys that are still competing today the todd tutteros of the world for instance these are the people that took pro modified from uh what was top sportsman evolved it into a heads-up category and turned it into a sensation and i am of the generation where you know pro mod evolution pro mod racing was kind of uh 
in the 1990s, pro mod racing was to drag racing as funny car racing was to the 1960s and into the 70s. It was that great period where uh, it was unpredictable. There was cars all over the place. You didn't really know who was going to win on any given weekend. There were people that would kind of come out of the woodwork and and uh, kick everybody's butt and then disappear again. So when we look at what pro mod racing is today, it has certainly evolved in terms of its performance, in terms of its professionalism, in terms of driver ability, chassis technology, engine technology, available power adders. We can go right down the line. But we saw a qualified field with all those different power adders that had a spread of about a tenth of a second. And we can go to the NHRA E3 series and talk about the same thing. Now, the E3 series does not allow screw superchargers into it, which is the difference uh, that we would see down in Florida. But uh, as the case has proven so many times in drag racing, screw superchargers uh, tend to become a dominant combination um, almost wherever they land. What we've watched over the last few years in the Pro Mod series, whether we're talking about NHRA inside or outside of it, is the rise of centrifugal superchargers and really the decline of turbochargers. We don't nearly see... I mean, not even half, not even 25% as many turbo cars as we did in the past. Chris Thorne, notably in the NHRA side of things, is kind of the 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 scariest, the fastest turbocharged car that we have in the NHRA realm. We do see a couple of turbo cars show up race to race, but what looked like a class that was going to be absolutely owned by turbos a few years ago has really kind of flipped on its head, and we see nitrous cars very competitive. We certainly see centrifugally supercharged cars heading that way as well, and that switch that so many racers made to centrifugals uh you know it's cool because it's new technology and obviously it's a combination that works very well uh, proline extreme racing engines and others have really driven the evolution of that it is a reliable combination a repeatable combination and one that uh is i don't want to say maintenance friendly you have to stay on top of it you have to do the work round around but it tends not to beat stuff up like some of the other power adders so to go to a race in Florida and to see five different styles of power adders being competitive with each other was really something else and reinforced the point to me and Lee and I think anybody watching that race that Pro Mod in 2020 and going forward is really um, is really a class that is in in the middle of a second renaissance, um, so to speak. And so that's why it becomes very exciting when we talk about a guy like Lyle Barnett, who we're going to speak to here in the show, uh, to be coming into the NHRA side of pro modified racing and for those of you that are unaware and we're going to have lyle tell his story uh lyle barnett um i mentioned he's a a survivor he's a hard worker he is intense uh lyle barnett was was frankly nearly died in in a in a drag racing race car fire uh probably the worst fire that anybody can remember in the world of small tire style drag racing he survived it uh he was hospitalized for a very long time it was very touch and go his recovery was a long road but he came out of it and came back into the sport as soon as he possibly could. Not only did he do that, he came back and was his norm, his normal, intense, uh, kind of unflappable self. And we're going to talk a lot about his mental strength and kind of what he brings to the steering wheel, what he brings to a race car. And he will be racing with Elite Motorsports, driving their centrifugally supercharged entry in the 2021 E3 Spark Plugs NHRA Pro Mod Series. Lyle has traditionally been an eighth-mile racer, so this quarter-mile stuff is a bit of an adjustment for him. We'll talk about all that. Believe it or not, we're going to be talking to him from Bradenton, Florida, where he is making his initial kind of test runs and becoming familiarized with that race car. Going to be interesting to hear his first impressions where he just started making licks in that car the other day. So this is all kind of breaking news, so to speak, especially the fact that he is uh, in the seat right now and he is absolutely making things happen for himself 
in this new quarter mile pro mod adventure. So without further ado, I think we should talk to the man himself. Ladies and gentlemen, meet your newest E3 Spark Plugs Pro Mod competitor, Lyle Barnett. How you doing, Lyle? Good, buddy. How are you? Doing really well. And, uh, you know, in the lead into this interview, I was kind of like setting you up a little bit, kind of giving our, our listeners a little bit of a background on you, uh, specifically in the world of small tire drag racing, where you have spent a lot of time and had a big impact. And now you're making the right. jump into the E3 Spark Plug series. So, the first question I want to ask you is because I know you've been testing and getting licensed up. Talk to me about the back half of a pro mod run in one of these beastly cars. There's no words to describe it. Um, <laughs> I'd been talking to a couple, uh, a couple of drivers, which you guys will know the name of one being Stevie fast Jackson, who I have uh, a long history with. He tuned some of my early X two seventy five small tire radio stuff when it was pro charged. And, uh, and we helped him out early in his career uh with some sponsorship stuff and uh and i talked to him this weekend actually he was down at bradenton uh for the snowbird nationals you know and and he pulled me aside you know he said are you excited you know and of course you know my immediate answer was yes (laughs) well yes um you know and he said you know and then we kind of talked about how fast i'd been whatnot you know and he was like man i'm gonna be honest with you uh to this day the last 300 foot of a quarter mile run in one of these pro mods still scares me a little and i looked at him i said that's not really what I wanted to hear out of your mouth today. <laughs> You're the best to ever do it, you know? So, um, and, and not that it scared me anymore. I was already nervous. I could have, you know, I was ready to vomit when I showed up down there. But, but um, yeah, dude, it, uh, the, the, you know, the last, the last 400 to 500 feet of that run are just unbelievably, it's unbelievably fast. You cover so much ground in such a short amount of time, you know, and that's something that Justin Elks, you know, my crew chief and tuner, has just kind of pounded into my head you know he's like listen you're covering a lot of ground down there really fast and you've got to be ready you, you know you can't run these things six and a half seconds when they're yeah. on a when they're on a 560 to a 570 run you have to be out of the throttle around 5.9 to six seconds they're not you know they're not made to run that long yep um so that was probably the the, the most difficult part of the learning curve for me to kind of get a hold of you know get the shootout as you're coming by you know up on the mile an hour cone and then be ready to get out of the throttle and ready for the Hulk to punch you in the back with those two parachutes <laughs> blossom. You know? God, man, it's just uh, no words really to describe it. You really got to do it to understand. Yeah, and that's why uh, I leave it to people like you to do it. And I sit here and listen to your stories and smile because I, <laughs> I don't have anywhere near the, the balls to even think about doing it. So, uh, you know, one of the things, obviously, that's that your career and I, what I kind of set you up before the interview is, you know, you're a tenacious competitor. You're a guy who really – was not to be denied this moment in your career, despite the fact that you've run into some hurdles, man. And, yep. you know, as much as you're probably sick about talking about it, we should probably just mention the fact that in 2015, uh, you suffered, you know, one of the worst fires, I think, in the last 20 years of drag racing and, yep. you know, spent a couple of weeks effectively unconscious, you know, suffered through a rehabilitation from burns. And yet here yep. we are talking about this. So, you know, if yep. you can if you can walk us through 2015 to 2020, in a yep. general sense, how did you go from there to here? Well, you know, uh, I got to give all the credit, really, you know, to the good Lord above, man. He uh, he left me here for a reason, you know, and I feel like part of the reason, you know, is is what is the purpose I'm fulfilling right now. Um, you know, I you know, it was arguably one of the one of the worst, you know, door car fires yeah. that that drag racing seen, yeah. you know, and and I, and I've been told that many times, and you know, trying to, I don't do a whole lot of research. I don't want to prove that, yeah. you know, <laughs> right. but uh, right. but yeah, you know, we uh, 
we spent we spent a couple months in the in the burn center there in Augusta, Georgia, at the doctor's hospital, uh, JMS Burn Center, and and they patched me back together, you know, and uh, came out of came out of there and spent a year, you know, a, an entire year recovering, you know, and they told me that early on, and I didn't ah uh, year man, you know, it's not yeah. gonna take that long. No, it does, you know, it takes a full calendar year to recover from extensive burns like that. Um. I, I, almost a year later, uh, actually a year and one month, I strapped back in a, a low four-second radio car, Jason Digby's tooth jerker, as we call it, the Leaf Spring Dodge Dart, that I will I will continue to campaign uh, when oh, I can. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, great. Um, but, uh, you know, and Jason told me. He called me and he said, listen, uh, I've got a car. You know what car it is, and it's yours if you want it. You know, and, and of course I was, you know, heck yeah, you know, I want to go back drag racing. And so – uh, I campaigned that thing uh, up until up until this year, and yep. we'll continue to do so. Like I said, and you know we've reset and reset and double set and triple set records, and still hold the speed record and on Leaf Springs. And uh, I've been very fortunate to have been a part of a couple TV show deals with where we built Beer Money on the Horsepower War show, uh, took Beer Money on to Netflix to run Fastest Car, and uh, wrecked in the final there. Uh, back the Horsepower Wars again to build the Moonshine Missile. So you know it's that the, the you know 2015 what, what we saw as a huge you know a huge hurdle and a huge bump in the road was really just a platform and it kind of you know it kind of boosted and shot my career off you know so um you know we turned something something really bad into something really good uh, and most importantly i think we've we've made drag racing the sport of drag racing as a whole a whole a, a lot safer yeah i agree with that um, I, you know i you know west buck and i've talked about it you know that that i essentially part of what he believes and you know, i've never really thought about it this way is that i made wearing extra safety equipment cool you know you think back in the day when you know when even when big daddy and you know and the names like shannon jenkins and you know were coming up uh it maybe it was not as cool to wear a lot of safety equipment you wanted to do it in wranglers a t-shirt you know yep. and, and, a, and a cigarette in your mouth yeah. right you know <laughs> right. And, and now today we're in you know the best fire suits that that companies are producing now fresh air in our helmets you know i mean we're wearing the same stuff that you see your your fuel drivers you know strapping yeah. into top fuel dragsters and fuel funny cars so you know I, I think that i and and i'm okay with that you know i've, I've had a, i've had a couple friends that have gotten in some serious fires in the drag racing community that credit me for saving their life and, and you know what if, if i had to go through what i went through uh to save them you know and they learn from from my mistakes really then i'm good with that you know yeah, it's it's, um, a, it's an interesting thing, and it, and it speaks to me. It speaks to, to to your personality. It speaks to who you are in the in the sense that a situation like you were in can be a defining thing for someone's life. This is this is not something that defines you. It's something that happened to you. And to me, right. the thing that makes you so compelling and makes you such a badass is the fact that you actually kind of flipped the script. Like you defined yep. the incident. The incident didn't define you, and your legacy Correct. after the fact has been awesome. It's it's unreal. Right. Yep. Yeah, so, you know, and, and, you know, I guess we could segue into the, into how I got, you know, with Elite. Yeah. You know, I, it really happened really fast. Um, Modern Racing, uh, Justin Elks is the owner of Modern Racing and also the crew chief and uh, tuner for, for my Pro Mod program. Uh, their shop is in Mooresville, North Carolina, which is where I work at Harrell Engine and Dino. I've got a buddy that works there, Eric Peterson, um, and I stop by the shop periodically to, buy stuff from from justin and the gang there just stop by to hang out and, and i just you know voiced interest in wanting to drive a pro mod one day and justin said well why don't you drive one of these you know and two of two of richard freeman's 
you know, state of the art, uh, top notch pro mods are sitting in there. And, and I was like, I mean, that'd be cool. You know, what, what will that take? And so we sat down and, and ran some numbers. And one week later, I was on a flight to Fort Worth to sit down with Richard Freeman and Wes Buck and Erica Enders and Alex Laughlin and Marty Robertson, you know, and we're all sitting in a conference room literally a week later, um, you know, nailing down uh, a deal for me to run the entire 2020 NHRA Pro Mod season. Um, so it happened really, really fast. Like, I'm, we're still a little less than two months from when this all started, and I just made, you know, my first uh, quarter mile passes in the Pro Mod today. It's awesome. And, you know, I think it's uh, there's always like a moment in a guy's career like the one you're experiencing right now where you find yourself sitting in this conference room or boardroom having these decisions to make some really significant leap in your career. Was there yeah. any point of that conversation that you looked around going, holy, like this is happening? You know, is there any yeah. point you're like, I'm that guy in the boardroom right now making a deal together? It's awesome. Yeah. Well, the first thing you think is what the F is happening right <laughs> now? <laughs> you know, like, is this real? You know, and then you're like, holy, you know, yeah, yeah. it is, you know, and we're, we're all like, it's, you know, I've got Richard called me today to, you know, to ask me about how it was going and tell me, you know, how proud he was. And, you know, and Erica Enders has texted me some, you know, and then like literally I've became a part of their family. They kind of just took me, my dad and my crew in, you know, and they're like, welcome. We're going to have fun. We're going to race a little bit, but most importantly, we're going to have fun. And that's, you know, that's, that's how they do things, you know, and that's exactly the kind of crew and the kind of team that I want to be involved with. Yeah. They're super competitive. They really, really like to win and they hate to lose, you know, and I'm, <laughs> that's where I belong. Well, so this is a perfect segue because this is where I wanted to go next is, you are beyond a shadow of a doubt, probably the most intense person I've ever seen at a drag strip. When you have a fire suit on, and I've seen you having fun. I saw you Bradenton hanging out. You had very few responsibilities before you test and got you. I saw you down the starting line trading some bucks back and forth with guys. I don't even know what you were betting on down there during the burnouts, but I know you had <laughs> won some money. Um, yeah. So, but to, when you put a fire suit on, and there's a lot of people that say this. There's a lot of people. Well, when I put my helmet on, everything changes. Or when I put my fire suit on, everything changes. Dude, you're right. a different person. I see oh, yeah. your mannerisms. I see how you operate. So I want to talk about that. Where does that come yeah. from? Because it is like, it is intense. Well, I, it's kind of the way I've always been, you know, and, and it's it's really in hopes that I would end up where I am today. Yeah. You know, there's, you never know who's watching, you know, and, and you need to be the best that you can be at all times because there could be somebody watching that could make a change, you know, a, a change you could never imagine before in your career. And so when I put the fire suit on, dude, I'm going to work. Like yeah. I'm at work, you know, and I'm the boss is breathing down my neck and, and making sure that I'm doing everything that I need to do. That's the way I feel, you know, and that's even in my own car. The one that my dad and I campaigned in X270 have, you know, pretty much by ourselves. Um, you know, I was the exact same way. Take the fire suit off and we're done. We can have a beer. We can hang out, you know, but when the, when the suit goes on and the help and the shield is down, I'm in my office and I'm at work. You know, and I and I want to prove, and now more than ever, I want to prove that I am where I belong. Yeah. You know, and and that that I'm not just some, you know, rich kid. You know, that got yeah fell up given an op- yeah. You know, that that just got given an opportunity to drive this pro mod. You don't deserve to be there. Nothing like no. I want to prove, you know, that I do belong here. And and you know, and we made big strides the past two days. You know, uh, we're way ahead of where we all thought that we would be when we left here. Um, you know, and, and I attribute that some to my dad telling me, you know, years and years and years ago that you need to take this shit serious. You know, first, yep. first and foremost, that these things 
are on the ragged edge at all times. This is not something you get. It's not an amusement ride at Carowinds. You know, yeah. like this thing, <laughs> this thing, when, if it goes wrong, you know, it can go really, really wrong, you know, and you've got to be on your P's and Q's and be comfortable in there. You know, I don't think you should have your butt, keep, butt cheeks clenched tight, you know, or anything. You need to be relaxed in there. But, but, you know, when I'm in there, I'm at work and I'm, and I'm there, you know, to stomp a mud hole in whoever's butt sits beside me. You know, that's just the way I see it. Does that personality trait come from your dad? Is your dad the same way in in, that, in some yeah. respects? Yeah, you know, we could we could even compare this to uh, when Dad and I are playing cornhole together. You know, like <laughs> does it spiral pretty, out of control? Oh yeah, we're pretty <laughs> you know we're, we're pretty competitive and like we're not bad. You know, I mean we're not the best in the world or anything, but we ain't bad. You know, we freaking hate to lose. You know, and that's just the way I've always been. I don't know that you know it's my dad's fault that he would jerk me off the middle of basketball courts when I was playing rec ball when I was 10 years old because some kid fouled me and I drop kicked him in the middle of the court, you know. Um, you know, I, he didn't teach me that, you know, but that definitely uh, is uh, attributes to my the drive behind me just being so competitive, you know. And, and I'm, I've always been like that and I will always be like that. I freaking love to win and I freaking hate to lose. Talk to me a little bit about, we talk about ProMod drivers. Obviously, you know, you and I have loved this class since we were kids. It's one of the reasons why you're so excited to do what you're about to do. Who were the people that you idolized as a kid watching, watching running ProMod? Um, well, in ProModified, um, you know, Charles Carpenter was the godfather back yep. in the day, right? You know, and, and I grew up knowing that name. Um, back when, you know, Ricky Smith and Todd Tuttero oh, ran yeah. local, you know, always been really good. Um Frankie Taylor was somebody that I looked up to back in the 10-5 days when he was running ADRL. Uh, Shannon Jenkins is somebody that I knew. Um, you know, and then a more a later addition, you know, been doing it for a little while, but obviously Stevie Fast Jackson is somebody yeah. who I watched, you know, progress through the ranks at a rapid rate um, and has been obviously very successful winning his second championship in a row this past year. Um, you know, and they're all, they're all different personalities. You know, you think about – uh, Ricky Smith, who you don't ever hear talk much, you know, is pretty reserved. And then you've got a you've got a, a, a personality like Stevie Jackson, who is in your face and gonna talk crap until he, you know, runs until you into the fence. Yeah. Right? Yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Yeah, you know. So, um, as far as how I'm gonna be, you know, I, I'm gonna be very reserved and try to take it all in at first. You know, I'm we'll, I'm sure we'll butt heads with some here and there and smack talk a little bit and get some stuff fired up, you know. But I'm. Even though we ran really, 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 really well today, um, we've still got a lot to learn. Uh, we've got a, you know, I'm added, I've added a few to the crew, and they've got a lot to learn. So this is new to us. You know, this is yeah. a new way to race, and uh, and we're just we're excited, but uh, we're also willing to uh, to put in the work to to get to the top. So we'll see how it goes. Is it helpful to have a guy like Stevie Jackson, who's same age bracket as you are? Kind of you watch, not. Is it is it helpful to see somebody pull this off in terms of not necessarily the championships, but getting to this level and racing successfully at this level to see that person and say, OK, th this is way more attainable or this is a, an attainable thing that I can do because he's doing it. And if he's doing it, right. I bet I can do it, too. Right. Well, you know, and, and Stevie is a he's an extremely smart person. Oh, you absolutely. Know, he, he knows he knows a race car like the back of his hand and he proves that with you know, the, the radio cars that he tunes and his pro modified program and stuff, you know, but yeah, you know, seeing somebody who came from, I mean, essentially came from nothing, you know, he, he, he really paved his own way. Um, you know, it, it, it does give somebody like me hope who maybe at one point thought I would never, ever, ever get here, yeah. you know, but you know, Stevie worked hard. Um, 
really hard. You know, he, he made the right connections, you know, got with the right people and, and has made his way to the top, you know, and it, it does give some, give someone like me hope that, that we can get there. And, you know, and after the strides we've made over the past couple of weeks as a team and, and what we're doing, I think we're going to be tough to handle. I agree. One more question before I let you go, and this is a little bit a different, a different sort of direction. But you and I were both at the same race last weekend in Bradenton, Florida, the, the Snowbird Outlaw Nationals. You yep. and I watched the same Pro Mod show, which was unbelievable. There was twenty five yep. cars there. Qualifying was insane. Eliminations were great. We also had yep. Radio Versus the World and Pro Two Seventy Five were there as well. Yep. It feels like to me at this moment that the Pro Mod style big tire cars have kind of taken back their spot in terms of the pecking order of door slammer drag racing. And it's not to say I'm taking nothing away from the radial cars because they're ungodly and they're impressive and they're fun to watch. But when I sat there and watched that race, the class that I got most excited to watch were the Pro Mods. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I think that, and it's unfortunate, but I think that that radial tire racing has really just turned into a home run derby. You know, it's show up. It's how good can we make the track and how fast can we go. The race doesn't really matter to anybody, in my opinion, anymore. You know, everybody's searching for that number, you know, and Radio Versus the World is it, it is everybody throwing everything they've got plus the kitchen sink at a 340, yep. you know, which I get, you know, but in the Pro Modified Series, you know, you're seeing you're seeing racers race, you know, and that's and I think that's what we've missed that, you know, there's you're not seeing, you know, we saw Halsey go out and go 59 you know, to be the first nitrous door slammer to go a 50, um, which was cool. But, you know, come eliminations time, he was gone in like the second round. And yeah. you saw, you know, a, a great race to the finish, you know, with both of Todd Tedero's cars being in the final round. And it was a racer's race. And, you know, and I think the best racer won. You know, Todd is a, is a freaking legend. Oh, my God, and, yeah. And, you know, and, and he just raced a good race, you know. And, and I think there's still some pro mod teams out there who don't – they don't race good. If you will, you know, I I think that they, there's still a little bit of their racers mentality missing, but there's more of that going on in pro mod than anywhere else. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I just, you watch the quality of the, the quality of the actual competition and you're watching guys like Tommy D April just drop like teens and 20 lights on guys round after round. And it's like, man, this is, this is as badass as it gets. And, and it was, it was an incredible show and you had five different power adders, of course, in there as well. All five were qualified in the top 16. It was, uh, it was really something, but man, thank you for taking some time. It's, it's really um, you know, on behalf of I think every drag racing fan out there that has a brain, this is a really exciting thing to have you as part of the, the E three Sparkplugs Pro Mod program. Congratulations on getting this deal together, and I look forward for you showing up and wrecking some people Sundays, man. It's going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, man, we are. Uh, you know, Dad and I and my whole crew, dude, we're just you know we're super excited, and we just want to thank everybody who supported us along the way. You know, and, and obviously. Uh, the good Lord for for putting us here. Um, you know, it hadn't been a, hadn't been an easy road getting here by any means. But uh, but today, you know, running in the in the in the mid to high five second range, it, and I, you know, we went over 250 miles an hour today. We went 253 to be exact, and that's you know something that obviously I had never done before. So we've got a hot rod that can contend, and uh, and I think that we're going to be able to shake it up with these boys pretty good this year. Awesome stuff, Lyle. Thank you so much, man. Yes, sir. 
and a great conversation with Lyle Barnett, a guy who is going to bring his own flavor and his own stamp to the world of E3 Spark Plugs, NHRA Pro Mod Racing, and I cannot wait for him to do it. He has a legion of fans, again, that that follow him through the world of radial-style drag racing and small-tire no-prep racing where he competes in the uh, famed Beer Money Mustang. You can look that thing up. It's a wild piece. And uh, he's just a guy that, uh, again, another addition to that class, another personality, another great compelling story, and someone who can drive the wheels off of a race car. So I told you we'd have a fun look back at the NHRA Nitro Funny Car category for 2020, and we will have that right now. It is set to a song called Pressure by Billy Joel because this season of Nitro Funny Car Racing was absolutely pressure-packed. Jack Beckman here looking up over toward him over the steering wheel. He's been battling a cold and flu-like symptoms all day, but it has not affected his ability to drive. And John Force On the opposite side of the racetrack, what a great battle, and it's Jack Beckman! Nitro Funny Car final here in Arizona. Both cars sit in pre-state. Tire smoke for Beckman pedaling the race car, and it's Tommy Johnson Jr. 3.883 seconds at 326.4 miles per hour. Matt Hagen blows it up and will coast to a victory. The funny car, I believe, on fire down there is Matt Hagen in dramatic fashion. 4.328 seconds, 215 miles an hour, and he wins with a pyrotechnics display at the top end. E3 spark plug side for Matt Hagen, Toyota side for Jack Beckman. The final round of the Lucas Oil Summer Nationals is to be run right now. Matt Hagen roaring to the finish line. 3.919 seconds at 328.54 miles an hour. Immediate smoke for J.R. Todd and Ron Caps finally in his Hall of Fame career will hoist the Wally at Indy. Amazing. Team principal Don Schumacher congratulating Ron Tobler. <laughs> oh, Jack Beckman just double balled J.R. Todd in the final at the U.S. Nationals. Wow, J.R. Todd deals with it. J.R. Todd leads first on Beckman. They go to the finish line, and it's Beckman for the second time in his career. 3.908 seconds at 327 miles an hour. Todd left first, went 396, but Jack Beckman does it. It is the final round for the 51st time of Funny Car at the Gators. Here we go. Caps is out first. Tim Wilkerson rocketing down the racetrack, and it's Ron Caps. 3.937 seconds, 323 miles an hour, and if it was a rescue mission, it was a mission accomplished. Header flames up to the roof for Hagen, but this time it's Tommy Johnson Jr. 3.884 seconds, 326 miles an hour. Johnson defeats a 3.88.6 at 3.33 for Matt Hagen. They leave within a single thousandth of a second as they go down the racetrack. It's Jack Beckman, 3.908 like a bracket car. That machine repeating within five one thousandths of a second of itself. 328 miles an hour.
They are three and two career in final rounds with Caps holding a one race margin over Tommy Johnson Jr. in finals. Caps is out first. And you have got to be kidding me, it's Tommy Johnson Jr. 392.9, 321 miles an hour, 34 ten thousandths of a second. And he's he keeps popping up like Alfred E. Newman. What, me worry? The two friends, Venables and Toba, look across the racetrack at each other and nod. They savoring this moment perhaps even as much as their drivers. Both cars pre-staged. The last pass of Funny Car in 2020. Oh, a huge explosion for Ron Caps and Matt Hagen runs the table. 3.914 seconds at 326 miles an hour. Matt Hagen gets another wind light and Ron Caps gets another face full of fire. <laughs> A musical look back at the 2020 season in the Nitro Funny Car category, the Camping World Drag Racing Series. What a year it was, of course, with the three-man battle all the way down to the last race of the season. And what a great conversation we had earlier with Lyle Barnett. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. We'll be back next week with more information, with more stories, with more interviews, and more fun as we take a continued look back over 2020 and talk to the future stars of 2021 here in the world of NHRA Camping World Drag Racing and the E3 Spark Plugs category and the Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series and all the way across the board. Thanks for listening. I'm Brian Loans, and I'll be back again next week.